This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. I'd like to give special shout outs to my top tier patrons, David from Portland, Tom from Pancake Analytics, The Snorlaxian, Connor from Rock Pokemon, Mike, Night Knight, Hogan, Big No Face, and Matt from Ferraratron. I also can't forget today's episode was executive produced by Leo. Thank you so much for believing in me and backing the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to support these episodes, become a patron. I have two tiers at $3 and $5 a month. Joining the first tier gives you exclusive access to patron posts and a vintage card from my collection signed by me. The $5 tier gives you access to everything you get in the $3 tier, along with also having access to our Discord community. It gives you the opportunity to talk to other collectors, discuss market performance and news, show off your mail days, and of course, ask questions. Whether you join or not though, I still appreciate you listening. Wow. You know what? I never would have thought that sheets would have been something like I didn't realize those things were selling it. I just figured like, oh, you know, all the sheets are cut and they're, you know, sent out and da 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 to the masses. But that's so cool. Where do you where do you find sheets? Would you be finding them through like collectors or like not through the manufacturer anymore, right? No. Uh what I learned or I, I could be corrected, but from what I've learned, they were distributed to like GameStops and they were given to management to keep or to give out as promotions and mm-hmm. people collected them like Gary who has all the gem and charizards he has so many sheets and he's slowly been selling them and at times he's posted pictures of them for mm-hmm. people to be aware of what what they are and he's one of the people that turned me on to them but i found them on ebay and there was a period about i'd say last summer where they were mm-hmm. saturated on ebay and you know, there was like a dozen or so. There were a lot of hologram fossil sheets. Wow. Um, I, I helped Juggling Josh get one. I helped Travis mm-hmm. Mills get one. I think they both each got fossil hollow sheets. And those are much cooler than, than this. And they were reasonable. I just, I, I wanted people to get them. And I just wanted to have one for myself. So I didn't get greedy. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's so cool. And And how is your sheet like, like I figured, you know, these were direct from the manufacturer. Like why are two different sets on one sheet? That seems very rare to me. Um, it says fossil third printing uh, and it gives a date, property of Wizards of the Coast. And I forget where the date is on there. 10199. So it was printed on 10199. And on mm-hmm. the top of the sheet, all that information is there. So it's pretty cool. That is so cool. Wow, that's awesome. And you have just like in general, just a beast of a collection. You've been collecting since like the start, right? When you were a kid, you had your binder. Like, like what what brought you to Pokemon? Just because like when you were a kid, you thought it was cool. This was oh my, my original God. binder. Oh man. That's so now cool. it has slabs in it. I, I got um slab holders. I have my original hat and my original badges. I have my original cards. Um, <laughs> as you were asking the question of what, um, well, when I was a kid, you just join what your friends are doing. 
And the thing about me that was different from my friends was my parents always told me, don't break your toys because we won't replace them. Don't damage what you get. So when, we, when I received cards and I started opening cards, um, I always took great care of them. And all my friends treated them like garbage. So for example, I ended up getting a red cheek shadowless Pikachu as a kid by a trade and it was completely oh, yeah. beat up. It was completely beat up. But as a kid, you just wanted to have the red cheeks. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a grail card, even beat up. And, you know, it's like a $50, $100 card like today. Whereas th that was the variable as a kid. Um, I got into it because of my friends. I, I battled. I would actually, I was the number one kid in, in deck battles at my local Toys R Us. And I would only, I would only go up against the guy that ran the uh, league. And mm -hmm. his name was Shay. And he was really good and, and he had all the cards and he taught me how to battle and I read books on it. Like I wouldn't read as a kid. My parents were blown away. I'm reading a book on how to play a card game. That yeah. was not supposed to be my weekend. And mm -hmm. um, I always kept my best cards in binders at home. And I put all my secondary cards in, a, in sleeves in a shoebox. And I, I found that a couple of years ago in storage. I knew it was somewhere. And my dad actually found it. He was like a little girl when, when we found it. <laughs> so, so what ended up being there? Was it like first edition Shadowless, Shadowless Unlimited or? Um, it was a lot, all of my duplicates. So uh -huh. a lot of Unlimited, some Shadowless, uh, Jungle First Edition, Fossil First Edition. Uh, it, was, it was a good mix. It was a couple thousand cards. That's awesome. And, and the slabs that you have now, like you have a lot of nines, you have a tens, a, a bunch of tens. Um, you almost have the master set. Did you just, did you just show that you bought the Scyther? Was that the card that you were missing for a full oh, master no. set for, first edition? Uh, for, I have a Scyther, but um, for the, for the first edition, mm -hmm. I'm two cards away. Like I have every card, just not in PSA nine. I, I need Gyarados and Magneton. Um, oh, okay. It's a, it's a patient process. I just, I'm not necessarily ready to just say, okay, I'm going to pay for it. Sometimes I like to trade for things. And sometimes mm -hmm. I like to let, you know, my wallet open up a little more because I keep spending. <laughs> like, I'm always buying cards. Mm -hmm. um, my big thing are trainer deck cards right now. I'm trying mm -hmm. to complete deck A and B in nine and 10 grades. Like I understand I can't get Machamp or Blastoise in a 10, but I have Blastoise in a nine. I'll score a Machamp in a nine. I'll buy the rest in 10 and live with that. Um, mm -hmm. But I originally went with the PSA 9 first edition set because I thought the prices were relatively cheap compared to the 10s back in 2018. And I just slowly pieced them together. And getting the hollows was always a challenge. I'm very fortunate yeah. I was buying certain ones under $400 at one point. And I'm fortunate that I made a deal to get a Charizard. And so I sort of have to finish the set now. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure i mean the, the one thing i was going to ask was like damn are any of those cards your your childhood cards but it seems like just over the past two going on three years now you've just been acquiring the slaps which is a great time i mean back in 2018 what were even the prices for so compared to now so you're asking about my original first edition hollows well because SGC was close, I just decided to take my cards there because it was cheap and I could just drop them off and get them graded. Mm -hmm. And overall, I just, I felt they did a good job. Um, so before we get into 2018 prices, I will show you my original first edition hollows, like my SGC9, Polyrath, 
uh, SGC9, Alakazam. Like these are oh, all nice. cards I had as a kid. I, I didn't pull these as a kid. I, I wanted first edition cards as a child and I couldn't find them. So my dad would buy them for like 20 to 50 bucks nice. from a guy he knew. Uh -huh. um, and we completed some of them like Magneton, Gyarados, uh, Chansey, you know. I, yeah. I actually forgot to bring my best stuff here today. I have I have some really good stuff here. Like I have my childhood Charizards, oh, all unlimited. Awesome. Like I never pulled a Charizard. My dad pulled the only Charizard we ever pulled, and it's right here. And we bought the rest when I was a kid. Anyway, 2018. So in 2018, the prices dipped a little. In 2017, a Blastoise Gem Mint was actually fetching $10,000. It jumped up to mm. 10 and then it dropped right back down to five. And all the way until about May or June, a Blastoise first edition 10 was like still five grand. And then it now has soared to ungodly prices. Mm -hmm. I think one hit over 44,000. Um, but the prices in 2018 were relatively low. A Charizard was, a PSA nine Charizard was 5,500, 6,000, mm -hmm. um, maybe 5,000. Uh, Gem Mint was in the 30s, the upper 30s. You can get first edition boxes sealed for under 70. Um, first edition blisters were stuck at $2,000, $1,800. And up until July, they were still under three grand, four grand. And mm -hmm. now, you know, like, I made sure to get some first edition blisters. <laughs> Those are awesome. I had to have two. Yeah, you... Gosh. Okay. So not only do you have just like a banging slab collection, but you also have a banging sealed collection, like with all the blisters that I've seen, like, like I always get blisters and boosters wrong. I always mix them up, but you have a shit ton of boosters. You have a shit ton of just like some sealed product. Do you have any sealed boxes? You do, right? No, I don't have any it? boxes. Why I didn't buy any boxes was simple. The the common thing that SM Pratt would say in his videos was if you were trying to be safe, you buy packs, you don't buy boxes um, because boxes can easily be scammed. And we see all the time, all these horror stories. So mm -hmm. I just stuck to re respected sellers. I bought their packs. I was buying base unlimited packs, unweed for $37 mm -hmm. in 2018. I was buying fossil and jungle first edition packs under $50 unweighed. I was buying blisters under $40. Like it was, it was funny that I'm buying all this stuff saying to myself, these prices are not normal. They're not going to stay. And lo and behold, prices soared. Um, <clears throat> I didn't get boxes, as I said, for that reason. I bought first edition packs. Like that was my big thing. If I was going to buy something, I wanted to get my hands on the ultimate grail sealed, which is first edition. And mm -hmm. so I bought as many packs as I could. Like I bought I, I have a gem mint first edition pack. I paid like 1500 bucks for years ago. So there's a good chance it could be unweighed. You don't know. Right. This was before prices soared and it was from some sports card shop. They didn't know what they had. Yeah. Yeah. So do you um, have any of, do you have any of the, uh, the demo packs that came, the intro uh, demo packs that came out in 98? <laughs> I, I looked at buying them. Mm -hmm. And I justified it as I'd rather just buy the Pikachus and I regret not buying the demo packs, but I don't have too many regrets in any of my miss outs because the things that I did buy also rose in price too. So I can always trade, but the demo packs are still underrated at their current price. And 
um, that's the kind of thing that you'd get graded and you'd leave in a slab and mm -hmm. just you could never lose with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. When I learned about them, and honestly, I think part of the reason why they are underrated is because a lot of the market is still a little bit uneducated in those smaller ones. They don't realize that, wait, hold up, time out. Actually, shadowless cards were first. They weren't hollows yet. They were commons and uncommons, and they came out of these packs that they were given out to at E3s or uh, what was it? Wizards uh, tournaments, I think, and LGSs, and people forget about it. And and I always found it to be quite an interesting story, um, which is so cool. And I saw like six years ago, I was looking at a forum and I was doing research. And I was trying to figure out, you know, find more about these these packs and whatnot. And I swear to God, I saw it. They were selling at that time for fifty bucks, and now we're looking at a few thousand. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And, and the populations and the pop reports on those, I want to say there's something like 62 right now. Yeah, they're low. 62 tens. So it's a solid investment for anyone who's got those. <laughs> like when, when people ask about sealed, even in 2018 and 2019, my main agenda, and one of the reasons why I've built up a decent Instagram account is because my main agenda has always been the network. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking to spend, I need to find people that are going to like my money. And what I mean by like my money is they'll negotiate with me and they won't get offended if I try to negotiate a bulk price. Mm -hmm. My rule of thumb is let me buy from you. Let me help you sell more to my friends who won't scam you. And let's all have a good time together. Like mm -hmm. I have a guy that is in California that I've been buying sl uh, gem mint slabs from and other packs for years. I call him my uncle just because we talk so often. He's got sons my age. They're mm -hmm. like major Pokemon Go superstars. And, you know, it's just cool having the whole camaraderie because my dad and I talk about it all the time. So to have another Pokemon dad to talk about it and reflect on what's gone on the last 20 some odd years, uh, it's, it's a different element. And as I'm saying, why the network? You make friends with your sellers and you buy them out. You buy them mm -hmm. out for the lowest price you can possibly buy them out with, with respect because everybody has a price where they're like, listen, I'll just put it on eBay and make more money. So you try to just cut out the eBay fee and a little bit more if you can and make friends in the process because Pokemon people are nice. As long as you, just, you don't mm -hmm. rub them the wrong way, these are some of the best people to network with. And it's a great opportunity for you to find other people to deal with because if they're selling to you, they know somebody that has other products. Mm-hmm. That was how, that's how the hustle was before Instagram really blew up. It was, let's make friends with people on eBay and let me get them onto Instagram. And some of the biggest accounts for Pokemon low key that are on Instagram, I got them off eBay and I'm not going to name names, but there's a couple people on there that have made some record sales that weren't on Instagram a year and a half ago. That's, that's awesome. Um, I really like that you emphasize like for yourself, the, the community component, because we're all in here. We all want to do the same things. We all want to be, you know, successful and find the cards that we want at, you know, reasonable deals. Right. Um, and, and I've noticed that as well, Pokemon people are super friendly for the most part. And, and honestly, joining a community a has been an outlet in terms of like, just having people to talk to, right. Mm -hmm. Just about Pokemon in general, because 
you know, normal life, everyone thinks you're kind of weird, right? Because <laughs> it's like, what Pokemon cards? What What are you yep. doing spending that kind of money on it? But then also, I couldn't tell you how much I've learned just ex- being exposed to other types of collections and, and getting to know like, okay, why do you kind of invest in these niches? Why do you collect these things? Other than the fact that you like them, they're very nostalgic. Like, wh- what are the reasons? You know, it's really cool to get other people's perspective because I swear, like, there's so much to learn, but like you also don't know what you don't know. And so meeting with people has been really helpful, I think, from that perspective, too. And and I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, this is just my guess. So tell me if I'm wrong. But like when you obviously approach collecting cards, right, you obviously get the cards that you like and then the ones that you know that are really valuable. But you also think of your collection as like a nest egg, right? You you want to buy things that will appreciate. So you kind of balance between those things. I'm lucky. Um, the way I saw it was I have $12,000 in cards in 2017. I started grading them with SGC just because I was like, let me just pay eight to $10 a card to grade and put put it in a slab. I, I wasn't comfortable mailing at that time because I was I was new to the whole uh, modern collecting game. Uh, my my concepts of collecting in 2017 were not what the modern collectors at that time were doing. They had a totally different approach. Nobody wanted PSA nines, so my idea was I got a twelve thousand dollars start. Let me just start buying ten dollar, twenty dollar, thirty dollar slabs. And let me just grow into this and see what happens. And my concept was I wanted to finish the nine set for me. Um, the investment concept was I didn't want to put my money in the stock market. I'd rather put it in something I can own. And I love cards. I got a lot of sports cards, sports memorabilia, uh, the Pokemon I already had a ton of. And I, I had a passion for it from childhood. So you're right. It wasn't necessarily to make a lot of money at first. It was let me collect something that could also make me money and won't lose me money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that was my safe approach. And the, the one thing you mentioned previous was about it being something not something maybe people are comfortable talking about. One of my closest friends from high school who I talked to pretty often, just a couple months ago when I, I started announcing that I was writing some contributions for 1.37 p.m., writing their Pokemon content, he reached out to me. He's like, dude, I've been buying and selling Pokemon packs for years. I had no idea. I'm like, why didn't you ever just bring it up? He goes, oh, because I thought people would laugh at me. And it's true. I can't tell you, you you know, you know how many times people look at you and go, oh, you're just throwing your money away. You're never going to do anything there. It's just a waste. What, what's in it for you? And I just want to tell people, listen, it's okay for people to tell you you're wrong. It's a great motivating factor. And when you tell people that Pokemon has sold more than Hello Kitty in total revenues, then they're going to look at you like you're lying. You tell them, listen, Pokemon, the age group of 24 to 36 is going to be so wealthy in the next 20 years, hopefully. I mean, it should be. And you're just going (laughs) to see a growth. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I also want people to understand that you don't just buy cards. You have to buy high quality cards or very rare cards. Because mm-hmm. not everything is just going to soar again. These bubbles, the way I see Pokemon is every three years. Now, we might see one in the next couple months, weeks to months with this whole anniversary where another price rise just shoots. But 2017 was a huge year. 2020 was a huge year. Uh, before 2017, I think 2014 or 15 was a big year. And 
these were all where they would double, triple, quadruple in value. And you go, wow, what was I thinking? And now with the whole new price point, I just think it's going to take a little more time. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I love the demand and the community surrounding what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it It's definitely really solid. And what, what I really like to see about Pokemon, especially too, and, and I think that's helped kind of carry it through over the years is you have a lot of genuine collectors and investors, which is, which is what you need for, to have some good, healthy demand versus like, I don't even know if you would call it artificial demand, but like short-term uh, flipper type demand. Um, you know, it, it's really nice to see that that happens. And I mean, of course, like the, the volume of that demand fluctuates over time, you know, just depending on how much gets absorbed in collections, you know, what people at that point are buying. Um, but, you know, you brought up some really interesting points too. And I just recently had a conversation with Jeremy Padauer about this. Um, you know, of course, the first thing that you want to do is find cards that are scarce. So check your pops, right? Don't, don't get these like 2021 McDonald's Pikachus because there's a shit ton. And yes, the pops are really low right now, but you know, those are gonna shoot through the roof, you know, in the three next three to six months. Who knows? Like, I don't know when the card came out specifically, but you know, whenever PSA relinquishes those, um, but go for scarcity and then go for quality of card. And so mm -hmm. You know, it's a thought that's always come to my mind is, can you get something that's too rare? And, and I guess like my kind of thesis on it is always, it comes back to education, but I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on it. Like, can you get something that is too rare that you just like, that's so hard to, like, if you wanted to flip it in the future, you know, in 10, 15 years from now that you would have a hard time doing that? You see it now, a lot of high-end collectors love to take a, a leap of faith and buy a card that has extremely low population like certain trophy cards before they hit and they take this huge leap of faith they buy the card they try to hide it for a couple months and then they start leaking it but it just doesn't draw the attention because quite frankly sometimes it's not having the funds it's not mm -hmm. having the cap having the cards to trade and it's just timing and if the wrong person buys the card it can damage the value of the card in terms of Listen, if you've got 100,000 followers and you own a card and it's like one of one or one mm -hmm. of five, a lot more eyes are going to watch what you own and they're going to want the clout of either buying yours or having the same as yours or they just want to be in that ballpark. But if you have a mm -hmm. card that is rare and, you know, it's just slept on, it's going to take awareness. It's going to take somebody really promoting the hell out of it. I, I, I also believe that all the people that are buying these rare cards, if they can sit on them, you're sitting on grails. You're sitting on something that you could ideally change your life with in a decade, maybe two decades, but that's a very long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things that I find really, you know, interesting too is, um, so I've been spending some time learning the Japanese sets and the Japanese cards, like the top suns, the blue and the green backs, like 
uh, all the Cardass Bandai. Like recently, I've been buying a whole bunch of the uh, the Vending Series Five, just all the Pikachu's, just because it's so cool. Like I like anime, so I can dig the art. You know, it's it's like very nostalgic. But um, so I've been learning about these sets, and I just it's insane to me how slept on Japanese sets seem. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I was just curious from your perspective, because I don't know that I've seen you post too much about Japanese. So I didn't know if that was a part of your collection or, you know, I guess maybe what your kind of thoughts are on the Japanese market when it comes to it. I, I didn't sleep on Japanese. I just stayed away. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more about everyone tells you they have their limit on or their threshold on how many different sets they can get into. I'm into like nine sets of English cards. I just, I felt putting my money there was just easier for me. And while I say this, um, last year in the summer, Jeremy had reached out to me and a, another friend about finding a lot of those Japanese cards that he now owns. And at the time, I, I knew what he was talking about, but I had no real skill on looking for him. And so I left it to my buddy to, to look for him. And when Jeremy was getting to the finish line on the Top Sun cards, uh, he put out a bounty and I ended up collecting on it because sometimes it just, you get motivated on learning something new. And I, I literally found, I think the card was Vaporeon, the Top Sun Gem Mint Hollow. I Ooh. found like five of the eight by just searching all over, not eBay, so social media. I mean, <laughs> hashtags, uh, I can say Instagram changed their algorithm, but I back back months ago, I could go by date and you can go through and I could go all the way to 2014. I started doing detective work on how to find these people. Like, <laughs> wow, it, it's fun. Um, <laughs> I have a journalism degree, so I was taught how to like do background checks and other things in school. So and how to use the Internet to your to your advantage. And it definitely saved me a lot of time and energy in the long run. And I know I helped other people in uh, getting them the cards they need, but the Japanese cards are so rare, so low pop, that if you slept on them at all and you weren't into them, you either had to find stashes of cards that were loose, like um, Juggling Josh, who he has crushed the, uh, the binder hunt game, uh, or you, you have to just pony up. Mm -hmm. And I would just say this, the, the 95 cards, really are the ideal purchase in the game now populations are low they're the original cards and if you get something special you could have a grand slam on your hands real quick mm -hmm. yeah that, that's what i really like about them just because they are holy grails in and of itself they're they're the originals and like what you said the pops are low and i doubt the pops are going to change all that months in the net all that much in the next you know 10 15 20 years like there's not going to be much movement and and so it's that that's kind of like like a few months ago i sort of had that thought in my head like okay you know like pikachu and charizard are like the lebrons and the michael jordans of pokemon so let's go to the oldest and let's look at those pops and let's kind of like stick in that area. And of course, like within the budget too, like <laughs> I can't just be going around buying no rares, but, or no numbers, but it, those are such beautiful cards and, and something that you just kind of talked about without like specifically saying, but 
like set fatigue is a real thing, you know, like, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just because you just said like, you've only stuck to your nine English sets, which is, that's completely fine because that's what you like. That's what you enjoy. And and when it comes to Pokemon, there's so much to buy. It can be overwhelming because you're, you're learning new sets. Maybe you're trying to understand how those like specific ecosystems work, like which cards are the best ones, you know, which ones are you like the most, which ones are in your budget, you know, what's a good price, what's not a good price, you know, all that stuff. And, um, and sometimes it can get overwhelming because you're like, oh my God, then there's this set, then there's this set, then there's this set. Oh my gosh, they have a Japanese version. I've got to get this one. It can get really taxing on your wallet <laughs> and obviously on what you can know just because there's there's so much going on. So set fatigue is, is definitely a thing. I know I felt that like uh, three or so months ago when I started to really, really learn Japanese, which that's been great, but that's, that's awesome. I had no idea that you were uh, working with Jeremy Fidauer on that. See, you, you've got well, all these connections. I, you do. I just, I just helped him. We, we, mm. uh, we talked a little bit. He, he loves collecting. And the truth mm. is this, um, if you enjoy collecting and you're looking to find certain cards, it's a lot of fun when you, you put a bounty out there for a card and you challenge people to find it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's few things as fun as being able to just sit on your recliner watch TV and just hunt for cards. Uh, when, when you're given a bu- an, in, an endless budget from people, uh, there's a lot of people out there that, that over the summer and in the fall had very big budgets and they were like, I need this, 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 and this. And it was very easy to connect dots. Uh, that mm-hmm. game has changed. Like, I'll just put it this way. I've got a buddy who's not on Instagram, who's got eight boxes. He's got all first edition Jungle, Fossil, Team Rocket, Neo Genesis. He's got over a dozen heavy first edition base packs. I bought my blisters from him. He's got heavy, heavy everything. And he's been holding and he won't get on Instagram to sell. I can't, I can't get him on Instagram to sell. I have another guy who just dropped, I don't know how much money on two Fossil Unlimited boxes and a ton of unlimited base packs. He's supposed to drive them from Tallahassee here and i'm going to i guess open one and sell the packs live and i'm going to sell a box so like there's so much movement all the time and i live here in florida and there's a lot of collectors here i was i was always trying to get about 20 collectors in my region so that you could put people together where they could drive and trade and uh, when covid's over that is one of the most important things for me is to be able to get five or six collectors say at my office or in a meet at a hotel or something and you could put a million dollars in cards on tables and hey look you want to finish your set you want to finish your set you want some money let's have some fun Mm -hmm. oh that that's awesome i cannot wait until you know things are better and then we can start doing you know comic cons again that'll be really cool um i wonder too um you know, being able to do more in-person trades and deals in general. I'm wondering too, if that will kind of like, not to say that prices are unstable per se, but to see maybe a little bit more of the truer pricing, just because now you're dealing with someone face-to-face. And so the prices kind of look different. Um, I mean, you just kind of participate differently than like Mm -hmm. an eBay transaction. You know, I don't know if I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I've just been wondering, like, you know, maybe, maybe the market will start to, 
to not even be more realistic. That's not really what I'm trying to say, but, but I, I guess like when that starts to happen, do you think that will have an impact in pricing or just the hobby? I think it'll just make it easier for a lot of people to flip and trade in terms of, listen, I, I have friends who I meet, I have three different or four different collectors who in the last year I have met and made multiple trades with mm-hmm. all within an hour's distance. Um, Dual Seas Adventures is one of them. Uh, Kirby Zard's another. He's basically my little brother in the hobby. Uh, I'm forgetting a couple of the other guys, but I find when you can make an in-person trade and you can save the fees and, and the other thing, because look, if you're within 10% of a trade deal with somebody, you both can find a way to either kick 50 bucks in or something like that to appease everybody. And once you have the other cards you just traded for, it, it's very easy to move those. I've found that a lot of guys that, that do trades with my friends, they end up taking their cards and flipping them quick for cash or Bitcoin. And it, it's just sometimes it's easier to, you know, take a little bit of an L initially, say a 5% loss. But if you're not putting cash out of your hand or you're not paying taxes by not selling by trading you're doing better in the long run that's just you know i like trades i like meeting Mm -hmm. with other collectors because when you talk to somebody in person they're typically a lot more flexible Mm -hmm. yeah like in card shows Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and you know i had a conversation with um some guys out on the west coast um uh, going twice dan and travis they they're auctioneers and so they have their own uh, little platform where they do a shit ton of auctions oh my god like thousands of auctions every week, every month. Anyways, so these guys, um, one of the things that they mentioned is they they tell people like, hey, don't forget, you might be selling your things. And let's say you sold something for $80,000, but you can't for, forget to pay your taxes on those things right. because there's, there's a paper trail. So I really like that you bring up that trades kind of prevent that because you're both getting the cards that you want for approximately, you know, approximately even trades but then you also get a good experience you know hopefully like you most of the time you know it seems like it would be a good experience you know just working with a person and try to make something cool happen um but yeah people people forget about that component where like okay you know you just sold your charizard card cool but like don't forget (laughs) you're gonna be on the hook (laughs) for that once you get your money so i think uh dan and travis they'd mentioned that um the guy wanted a cashier check, <laughs> which is like just one of those things, but you know, so there's, there's all different variables like that to interrupt you when it came to buying, when it came to buying my first edition PSA nine Charizard, which I had, I had a deal locked up with a major collector on Instagram, a major collector, one of the biggest names I had a deal locked up. He tells me, Oh, the price isn't the price. Now somebody else offered me more. I'm like, but we just made a deal. Once, once you, yeah. you know, verbally tell each other it's done, it's done. I've never worked any other way in business or, or in life. I don't care if someone offers me more money. If they offer me more money, what I tell them is go to the person that made the deal, offer them money to drop out and pay me what they, what they were offering, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I lost out on a, on a first edition nine Charizard. It wasn't that nice. It was just, I had decided to sell a car. I had a, a very high-end M3 that had 5,000 miles on it. That's a collector's item, a uh, very rare car. I had a buyer. The guy wired me the money in three hours. Mm, okay. And then they had, and then I just, I had to have the car transported. I didn't want to buy anything until the car hit the trailer. 
So I said, okay, just give me 24 hours. The trailer will be here. I'm going to put the car in. Anyway, so that deal didn't happen. I started scouring eBay. I linked up with uh, Jay Elkin, who's on Instagram. He doesn't have an Instagram picture. He doesn't post a lot, but he's probably my favorite seller on earth. Mm -hmm. um, he's from here in Florida. His dad works near me. Um, he lives out in Cali and he knows a lot of collectors. And he, uh, he had this first edition PSA 9s are. I wanted it. It was like, it was like 13,500. 13, I wanted it. He wouldn't sell it to me. He's like, I'm meeting somebody today. I might be trading it to him. I'm like, come on, man. I'll, I want to buy it. I was just like, please. He trades the Charizard, mm. trades it. And he oh, gets yeah. another Charizard that he said wasn't as nice overall. And he got a PSA 9 first edition Raichu or something. Mm -hmm. So he traded uh, an older Cert Zard for a newer Cert Zard. Um, and this Zard that I got, thick stamp, unbelievable hollow, uh, great centering. The way he put it was the back on my card wasn't as nice as the back on that one. And I mean, the back on mine, I, I'll put it in a contest and people lose their minds. Um, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. I, I, it's, my nicest, it's my nicest PSA 9. It's a Charizard. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, you know, a lot of PSA 9s you get aren't that nice. The one that I get is, I'm very grateful to own. Um, yeah. With that, with that said, uh, that was that was like the craziest thing, moving a car to buy a Charizard and other cards and other personal items. That was that was that was July fourth, Fourth of July weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was wow. Charizard went from six or seven grand to fourteen thousand or thirteen thousand, and I paid almost fourteen thousand. And the reason I bring it up was. It was very difficult to please um, certain people when you're trying to like send them money and they're like, listen, I, I had never wired anybody at that time. I, I wired out the money, never buying a card from this guy. And I put my full faith in him. Oh, man. Well, you know, I think that's the other thing, too, is, is, you know, when it comes to the community, the community is really good about this is, you know, when you're kind of putting yourself out there for someone, giving someone a shot. Um, the community is also good about protecting itself too. So because of the fact that it is community, if you do something shady, you will get called out and people are not going to work with you, you know, um, like, like as long as there's proof, a lot of the, you know, and I appreciate people like not just taking someone's word for it, like kind of wanting a little bit of context or proof, you know, um, but, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that could definitely, that that's always a good part of the community. So you know, as far as, as far as recent events, so, um, so the recent events with, um, you know, uh, um, influencers like, uh, Logan Paul, and then now, I don't know if you saw the announcement that Ninja was going to open up some Shining Fates, I think it was, he, it looked like he had a whole case of Shining Fates boxes, but, you know, this movement where, um, you know, influencers, are, are coming into the hobby um, and, and participating, you know, um, and then exposing it to more people. Um, I know some people don't really care for that too much because it's been, it, in their opinion, it seems to be inflating the prices. Mm -hmm. But honestly, and, and, and it, maybe it is making things a little frothy, but I kind of feel like, uh, you know, for a net, it's still a net positive. I'm just curious to know what your thoughts on like market effects uh, when people big get into the hobby and kind of show off certain cards? 
Um, first off, I'll say what happened last year. I felt it was like three years too soon. Honestly, mm-hmm. I didn't think we'd be, we would hit where we hit last summer, fall, and with everything until at least 2022, 2023. Like I thought, wow, we, we, we just went up a thousand percent um, comparatively to where I was previously. Mm-hmm. I think that the influence is good when the information is correct. Mm-hmm. When people understand the populations, when they understand what they are investing in and what they're hunting for, it's a totally different game. I, since I've been writing content for 137, I wrote their ultimate Pokemon guide on buying and selling and understanding what's in your closet. And the whole goal for the the smart people in here, the ones that are spending money and trying to give people good information, the whole goal, wow, my lights went out. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I'll just run without it. The whole goal is to get people smart so that they know how to make smart investments and not, you know, get ripped off. That's very important. Um, Unfortunately, we all get ripped off at some point, usually early on in the hustle. You, you get ripped off and you learn the valuable lessons of life in that moment. Uh, just recently, I got ripped off on a sports card box that's 20 years old and mm-hmm. the box was resealed and I had paid such a low price for it. I was like, well, the packs are all real. Let me just go through. And I knew I got, I got, you know, cheated. I got cheated out of a Tom Brady card I was looking for, but it, it is what it is. And it mm-hmm. came from a top auction house. They didn't even know it was resealed. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I've had my moments there too. Now, luckily, like I wasn't left on the hook for, for too much. I just recently bought a, a Victor and Pikachu um, raw card from Vending Series 5. It looked good online. And then thank God I had a slab of it already. I already had a PSA 10 and I compared the two and the coloring was completely off. So good thing it was only a $5 card. It wasn't that serious, but um yeah, I can understand that. You know, we've all kind of been there and bought, like I, I've bought fake cards before and I'm like, oof, <laughs> that sucked. But, you know, you learned, like you, like either you win or you learn a lesson, which I, I've always really liked that idea of things because, um, you know, you're, you're not going to just always win. There are going to be times where you lose, but, you know, learning how you lost and why that happened just only makes you a better collector and and more informed and more, you know, intelligent on it because, um, I, I, I I can definitely agree with you. I love that you bring up, you know, educating people on, on, on actual, you know, you know, legit information, (laughs) I guess really is what it comes down to legit information where people are considering the pops or people are considering the, the, the quality of the, the condition and whatnot, you know, cause there's, it's, it's so frothy right now, especially in the modern cards and and there's so much hype and there's so much FOMO. I mean, you know, fear, fear rules markets and, and people understanding, like learning the discipline, even I like I feel like most, more, most recently, like, I feel like I finally learned how to be disciplined and not necessarily like be victim to my own, like snap buying. Cause that happens. We've all been there, <laughs> you know, but, but at least it's a lot less now. So I do appreciate, um, influencers like, I, uh, that are honest about those things. And I appreciated even Logan coming out and saying after the fact, when his cards were auctioned or his packs were auctioned oh, yeah. off and, and he said, Hey, this is not reflective of actual market prices. You're buying more for this, 
than you would you're getting more for that that comes along with this product than just the, the pack itself which is really Correct. good because i know there's just a lot of sellers out there that are going to want to squeeze out you know mm-hmm. every dollar which you know it is what it is um so i just don't want people to get taken advantage of that that's my whole you know absolutely uh you know you want to be able to get what you pay for and hopefully you get to win the way I put it is typically the people that sold too soon are the ones that lost. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, how do certain people lose? If you bought these items originally or you bought them for very low prices back in the day and you sell and it goes up another 200%, did you really lose? No, you, you sold when you were comfortable and you felt that your money was good. Mm-hmm. Cashing out is very important, finding a good time to cash out. You don't have to hit the top of the mountain. You just got to find somewhere over you know where you paid considerably if you can and Mm -hmm. now when you talk about the box break i completely agree with you uh an unlimited pack or i mean a first edition unweighed pack should be 20 grand but the problem now is when somebody opens a box there is a chance someone's going to hit a four hundred thousand dollar or three hundred seventy five thousand dollar charizard now the the odds of it being a true 10 good luck most likely it's going to be a nine Mm-hmm. It's going to be in a, a forty or fifty, maybe sixty thousand dollar card. Uh, what if it's really off center? Um, so I like to believe that boxes should be, you know, at a reasonable price. But that day's over. You know, you're talking about the rarest sealed Pokemon item. Um, Logan Paul was a genius. He bought a total of seven boxes and a first edition Charizard just off the bat. With the prices he paid, you know, he sells one box, he makes a couple hundred grand. He sells this box, he makes a killing. He does the NFTs, he makes a couple more million. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, he's got five boxes and cards, and he's got a profit of X amount of dollars. And so he just turned the whole game upside down by using his leverage and his ability to sell himself. And Mm -hmm. the truth is, he did such a, not including the, the damage that was done in his first box break. He did such a good job with the content in terms of opening the packs, having fun doing it, hyping it up, what he pulled. I, I like to consider his box breaks like the best of any celebrity out there. I just, I like the feel of it. And I think that the box break this weekend is going to be like the next Super Bowl of Pokemon. That's a really good analogy because everyone's kind of have it, they have it saved on their calendars. Like I was just talking to a few hobby buddies and, you know, we're like, Hey, do you have, you know, this Saturday saved up? You got your block of time saved up to watch it. Um, I think, I think what'll be the most interesting other than what is pulled, but I think what will be most interesting is to see who got involved. Mm -hmm. Um, because that'll be really interesting to see where the market is going because, you know, of course, collectors that are really big in one specific area are now starting to expand. And we're, you know, we're talking about whales and for example, video games, like graded video games, moving into just other hobby sectors, you know, maybe magic, the gathering people moving into them or, or they're not maybe collectors at all, you know, um, but they just have some extra cash that they're, they're looking to invest in. Um, so, and, and I also thought it was really interesting too, kind of going back to something that you said earlier, were how you were surprised that everything kind of 1000 X so soon, you figured that it would happen three years from now. Do you think that Pokemon and kind of like its next round of 
sort of, um, you know, increases in value as things become rarer um, or just older. Uh, do you think that it'll maintain that same, um, that same growth or? This, what happened, what happened last year, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. Um, mm -hmm. Simply put, the prices were too low. It's why I got into the game. The prices mm -hmm. were too low. $300 for a first edition PSA 9 hollow was a joke. $400 a joke. Uh, $1,000 every PSA 9. That's when things started to warm up, uh, when the PSA 10s just went through the roof. I mean, let, let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, Michael Jordan gem mint rookie card Fleer was 30000 last year. I mm -hmm. turned down a PSA 8 for 1200 like two and a half years ago because I was afraid like my mom was going to get mad at me. I'm serious. You paid $1,200 for a Jordan? Like, it would have been a genius move. But mm -hmm. I slept on it. Uh, yeah. I bought Pokemon, which I didn't lose. It's just, you know, figuring out your wins. Um, the way I put it is, moving forward, you'll see gradual growth on most cards. Some cards that are very rare will shoot. You'll see things that are cheap one day, expensive the next day because of the way the manipulation works. And what understand population reports so that you can get a head start on a lot of cards that still can explode uh mm -hmm. it's I, the way i like to see it is it's always the next set and, and not necessarily now in previous times it was i would tell you that shadowless are still great value right now i would tell you that um any of the original promo cards that you can get any pikachus you can get your hands on that aren't overpriced that are lower populations or, you know, it's okay to buy loose cards and mm -hmm. try to find clean, loose cards. I scored a binder last year for $200 and I'm waiting on my PSA submission. I slept on it a little bit, but it's a minimum $25,000 in cards for $200 in a binder. Some guy just wanted to unload it. And another friend, like the pictures were awful. The pictures mm -hmm. were awful. The cards did not look good in the pictures because the guy took crabby photos. These cards were pristine in the binder, untouched. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like a first edition Typhlosion, like it's a PSA 9. I, I can't make that up. And when it comes back, I, I'll be boasting all about it. Mm -hmm. that, that'll be great. And, and of course you'll post it. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens. And also with your Charizard, your recent Charizard, you said you think it might get a PSA 8. Did you Definitely. figure out? Oh, a seven. Did you figure out, have you sent that in already? That guy? Mm -hmm. I sent it in for, I, I got it expedited. I'll mm -hmm. get the bill pretty soon. I'm just, I, I sent it to a card collector too, Ryan. Um, I sent all my cards for PSA through them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm just waiting to hear back and I'll have that taken care of. I believe it, the way I look at it is, I'm looking at these other cards. I always like to compare a loose card to a graded card and mm -hmm. try to try to get as close of a gauge as possible. Um, that Charizard is at worst a seven. If I can get a seven and a half, wonderful. Um, I have buddies that would have told me to take it to Beckett and I would get a stronger grade. I, I like sending my cards to PSA. Mm -hmm. um, I, I originally sent cards to SGC because I was a noob and I just didn't want to travel. And the truth is they, they did a lot of things for me over the last 15 years in grading. They're from where I'm from in New Jersey and they're in Florida. I'm in Florida. And like, they've given me a hundred dollars worth of free grades 
uh, as an award for like posting pictures of their grades, of their slabs. So like, there's some loyalty. I'm a loyal person. It's the same thing with how I approved so many cards, being loyal to my sellers. And uh, I just, I find that the hobby is more fun than any other card game I've been in. Um, I collect old wrestling action figures sealed. I'm a big nut for those. But I love the Pokemon. Like, I got to be careful I don't step on any. Uh, did I just knock it out? No, I'm good. Okay. Like, you know, <laughs> trainer oh decks, God. first edition PSA 9 slabs, the whole non-hollow, like, it, it doesn't end. God, you just have slabs for days. So tell me about your, um, so you've been focused on the trainer decks. So yeah, tell me the- how far you've gotten with those. Wow. Deck B, um, mm-hmm. one card away from nine and 10 complete, but I have a lot of duplicates and deck A, I've just sort of gotten started because the supply is so low. I really shouldn't be talking about trainer deck cards because it's sort of my focus, but it's okay. I wanna, I wanna give people uh, an opportunity to get into a hobby that they can actually take advantage of. Jeremy Pedauer always says, trainer decks are the way to go mm-hmm. uh, long-term. I remember playing with original trainer decks at Pokemon League as a kid. I remember learning on a trainer deck with the league the league uh, master and trainer, and they'd hand you out promos and they legit had the trainer deck cards. Only time I ever saw them. Uh, the concept of having, I, I am a nine collector, but I buy the trainer decks in tens because mm-hmm. the concept of owning trainer deck tens to me is more than justified when they're sort of the same price as the first edition tens. That makes mm-hmm. zero sense to me. Wow. They, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you say that, um, you know, you're open to buying, you know, the nines, not just the tens. Um, and, and I can definitely understand that Charlie a few years ago, got it stuck in my head to get tens, tens, tens. So in my head, I've been on tens, 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 but there's so many tens that are completely out of my, um, I'm, I'm completely priced out of. So I'm trying to get it in my head, like, okay, so maybe find those weird niche tens that are rare and are really cool, yep. but then also be open to the nines because those are still mint cards. They're not gem mint, but they're still mint. They're still good cards. And something that I've been trying to focus more on as well is if I'm buying a slab, like buy the card first, not the grade, right? So that you don't end up with like weak nines or weak tens, you I, know? I, I've bought week nines and I, I have my regrets. Mm-hmm. We, we all make decisions in the moment. Sometimes you just feel pressure and you want to just knock something out. And it's like, okay, that's not a real strong nine at all, but it'll do for now. Mm-hmm. And I'll just figure a way to upgrade down the road. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I got into nines was tens were too expensive. Couldn't afford tens. There was no way I was finishing the PSA 10 first edition set. I would probably be done with all the non-hollows, but maybe I'd have three holograms. I'd be, I'd be devastated, you know, yeah. with the price increases. I'd be devastated. I, I just, I knew there was no way I was paying thirty-five or forty thousand for a Charizard, and Charizard was like five thousand when I was collecting nines originally. I was like, I'll find a way to get to that card, even if I have to trade everything I own. I'll be able to get that card. Mm-hmm. Um, just. For every collector out there, understand your budget, understand the time it's going to take to collect something. Time is on your side overall. Even if prices go up, if you play your cards right and you buy smart, 
You'll be able to maneuver, sell, flip to get to where you eventually want to get to. Your time is valuable when it comes to researching, monitoring auctions, set the alarm on your phone for auctions. And you wouldn't believe how many times I've missed out on unbelievable auctions because of that. You wouldn't believe it. Like you wake up the next morning or you, you're at work and you're like, no, how? <laughs> that is yeah. real. That is real. <laughs> and the fact is this, when you win an auction that's really cheap and you know people are going to be looking at it like, how did I sleep on that? You sleep better that night. There's been many a nights that I've stolen <laughs> cards on eBay just by just being lucky. Maybe just putting a price mm-hmm. in that and... I've lost more than I can say I've won. You always think about the lose, the losses more than the wins with the auctions. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so true. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that collectors understand that when they get into this hobby, it's one, having fun. Uh, most importantly, you got to have some fun. Like when the card comes in the mail, most people will tell you when you start getting cards in the mail, it's like Christmas. It seriously is. <laughs> it's like Christmas when you're, oh, you start videotaping your, your family mm-hmm. members opening stuff mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, what's in there? What's in there? Like, for example, uh, I, I got a, a gray stamp Hitmonchan PSA 6 I recently shared. I only paid $375 for it, but it's okay. a true gray uh-huh. and like, and it's a thick stamp and I never had a gray stamp hollow. Mm-hmm. And with the way people pay crazy prices, I was like, well, at this point, even a six is valuable, even if it's a gray stamp. And you can't be yeah. afraid. You can't be afraid to buy lower grades if the prices are right. Because understand, the way Jeremy puts it is, it's a rubber band formula. Whatever the top market is, a nine from a 10 to nine, at some point, the rubber band's going to follow. And then nine to eight, eight to seven, and so on and so mm, forth. Okay. And you just have to understand sometimes that it's okay to buy a lower grade if you want to own a certain car. Most, mm-hmm. like, I've got a guy I know that, that owns a 1952 mantle, but it's an authentic grade. Who cares? It's, it's a mantle, you know? At the end of the day, sometimes it's okay, especially for old timers with baseball cards and other sports cards, they buy lower grades just to own them. It's okay mm-hmm. to do that with Pokemon. If you can get the right price and the margins are right, percentages are everything. The percentages for nines, when I started collecting nines, were unbelievably low, low compared to tens. It made no sense. When you're buying first edition PSA 9 non-hollows for cheaper than it costs to slab them, I mean, it was it was genuinely the most unbelievable thing, just winning auction after auction after auction and not paying more than $25 a card. Red Cheek PSA 9 Pikachus, first edition, were $80. $80. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yellow Cheeks were $35 for nine grades. $35. And I'm buying these, and I'm just... I just want to have a nine set. And every te- everybody that was heavy in the game said, no, it's tens. You're, you're a fool buying nines. Nobody wants nines. Every gem mint owner dumped their nines on me. And I'm saying, you know, I'm like Rick James, like, give it to me, baby. Like, it's just like, get over here. I want all of those cards. And it mm-hmm. worked out. Mm-hmm. It, it, sometimes things work out. I, I was adamant. I stuck to my guns. Um, and most importantly, I made sure to network. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it took me two years before I even considered putting the Instagram page together because I didn't want to put a page together that didn't have real good content. I wanted to have real cards that people would appreciate. I didn't want to be just another account. And I'm not saying that to anybody in any way, shape or form. It's just sometimes when you approach something, you want to take it so seriously in in an aspect so that you can network more and work with people. 
I wanted mm -hmm. to be able to, to reach out to more people. That's why this Instagram page has been so uh, influential and successful for me. And it's given me an opportunity while I have a full-time job to make more money on the side. And most importantly, to line up my future deals without even knowing it. You wouldn't believe how many people like go on my page and they look at my cards like, I got this, I want to trade for this. I'm like, well, I got a store right here. You just go through my cards <laughs> and you tell me what you want uh -huh. and we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, so is that kind of how you balance between being a buyer and a seller? You kind of, you, you do uh, buy duplicates and then those duplicates are a part of the things that you do trade or sell? really don't sell I trade like if I really want something and I don't want to put out the money I have so much of a collection that I try to convince other people that hey you can sell what I trade you for money I just I don't deal in the selling game because I I have a, a job and I manage to make sure that I don't overextend myself because mm -hmm. the, the truth is most people that sell their cards regret selling what they bought what they have Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have too many friends that are like, man, I shouldn't have sold that gem mint. I shouldn't have sold that nine. I regret selling that that trophy card. I just I want to I want to catch them all for a while. I want to have two whole collections. In about a year and a half, my my estimation is I'll have ninety five percent of everything I want done. I'll put the rest of my cards in a separate collection, and I'll be able to use those to finish that and to sell off eventually. But I just, I, for me, it's too early in, in the Pokemon game to sell. I'm 31 years old, um, building my portfolio. I find this to be my full nest day. Uh, I'm going to be, I have my best stuff, like all my PSA 9 hollows. Unfortunately, I have them all stashed away. Um, we're going to have to do another time where we do a show and tell, and I show you the, the big cards. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm I here for that. Coming. I know that's coming. And most importantly, <laughs> I like, I like showing people that it's, it's not impossible. Like you can start with a small budget and unbelievably challenge yourself with, you know, I, I picked up a side gig writing. I, I'll pick up whatever I have to do, middle manning, uh, finding cards for people just so I can afford to make deals for the next card. And it's always the next card. Like it never mm -hmm. ends. You think it ends after buying a first edition Charizard. It doesn't end. There's so much I, more to get. There is so much more. <laughs> convincing so yourself to stop buying, like clicking that buying button is addicting. It's as addicting as gambling. Convincing yourself to stop buying at certain points is a real challenge. And I give myself credit for it to slow down. And even when I slow down, it's like, okay, this card's a really good deal. This card's a really good deal. It's because when you know an industry or you know something better than most people, you feel like you're making future moves and it's like nothing and then mm -hmm. six months later you look at the prices and you start laughing yeah it's it's weird it, mm -hmm. i also will tell you that i feel that i'm outdated in the pokemon hustle and i'm fully entrenched in it i find that the people with a new fresh mindset that are looking at the prices that really do research i find that they're going to crush me over the next two or three years because they're a part of a whole new game a whole new mm -hmm. price point, and they have to value what they think is a bargain now. Me, on the other hand, I think that the guys before me with only wanting to have PSA 10s, I think that those guys were way too far behind in terms of understanding growth for collections. Meanwhile, now they're sitting on, on unbelievable 
amounts of money by having gen min sets. Um, right. It's just understanding where your margins lie, understanding your budget, and most importantly, having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, price memory can be a bitch. It is, there's pros and there's cons to it. And sometimes, you know, you pass up on good deals because you're stubborn, because you saw it cheaper before, because you've yep. been there for a while. I, I, I've been there. I've done that. That has happened. I, I've been that person. So uh, I, I can definitely understand from your perspective. It's almost like you kind of have to wash yourself just kind of like let everything out and kind of pretend that you haven't been doing this for a while just to understand where the new floor is and and now what those things mean. Um, so when it comes to slabs and, and I guess the new floor and where we're at, um, are you seeing some cards be astronomically overvalued or you know astronomically undervalued? If so, what what kind of cards are those? that you're kind of seeing are a little frothy or a little, uh, you know, under, underpriced. The market sort of corrected itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big proponent of black star promos and some of the black star promos are very justified in where their prices are. Other ones I'm sort of impressed by how much they've jumped. I mm-hmm. love black star promos. I'm like eight cards away from finishing that set. It's, it's one of my sets. Um, I would say that they have, really come into their own they're pretty strong right now if you can get pikachus for a good price you never lose i mm-hmm. would tell you that trainer decks are good value i would tell you shadowless are undervalued i i bought some gem mint shadowless i bought some nines um i would tell you to try to research and find error cards that aren't labeled as error cards like mm-hmm. the green dot vulpix which you can get yeah. in shadowless or first edition maybe if you can find an evolution error of the war turtle or the plastoise or in the evolution box, it's it's the wrong uh, Pokemon. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can if you can find different error cards, or you can find low population cards that you feel comfortable about getting, you know, elbow deep in, just do it. Um, mm-hmm. I would tell you to stick stay away from most unlimited graded cards, unless you're finding great deals. Unlimiteds are going to have very large populations, and although they are safe long term, it's just finding the 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 profits that you can maximize and the truth is everyone knows mm-hmm. buy charizard buy pikachu buy the buy the big three of bulbasaur squirtle and, and charmander or the baby three of bulbasaur squirtle and charmander buying famous pokemon in cards is always safe uh going the japanese route paid off for a lot of people but mm-hmm. overall the safest bet in pokemon will always be sealed mm-hmm. you can't lose a sealed if you can get good sealed packs, good sealed blisters, and you can hold on to those, a lot of the high-end game collectors just want sealed. Because right. at the end of the day, people are addicted to ripping them open, and you'll always pay a super premium just for an opportunity at some crazy card. Mm-hmm. Right, right, 100%. And going back to what you said about the shadow list, because I've been having this conversation with everybody and i've just been like oh my god i don't understand why people like the print runs are so low in and of itself and and they were and and okay so jeremy told me um jeremy just told me uh i i talked with him last week he told me that he found out that the shadow cards were an error 
in the sense that they didn't intend for them to print that way. It wasn't a part of their plan. It just sort of happened. And so um, that's why that's probably part of the reason why it didn't show up in any other set. But that's what even makes it more rare is because it was the base set was the only set with the shadowless cards and so when you look at the pops the pops are lower than the first edition shadowless yep. cards for a lot of them not not all of them but but a lot of them and i'm talking you know psa 10s right charizard it, it blows my mind it charizard's my 57 pop yeah on shadowless 121 on first edition it that's that's double right that's double the pop so do you think that the prices will ever catch up to the rarity um the way I put it is eventually high-end collectors are going to wake up to the shadowless Charizards and mm -hmm. a couple other cards. I don't think every card will have that kind of following. Um, the way I put it is if any first edition card is worth triple or double what a shadowless is, you should buy the shadowless. You mm -hmm. just can't lose. And especially because most kids looked at them as unlimited and they just destroyed them or, you know, the key to Pokemon is the majority of cards were destroyed. And although there are right. still a lot available, even first edition hollows uh, and other cards, it's a limited supply overall compared to the market growth that is coming in. Um, I just put it this way. Original great cards, PSA seven and up. I mean, hollows, you can go seven and up on first edition. You'll never lose a set. Even mm -hmm. six, you know, on Charizard, you can go authentic. It doesn't matter. It's Charizard. Mm -hmm. uh, but the key is just trying to find your margins and find the cards that you can connect with the most. Some people like Neo Genesis. Some people, it's like, what did you collect? Mm -hmm. I only went with base jungle fossil as a kid. And when Team Rocket came out, I wasn't interested. Here I am buying Team Rocket as a 30-year-old adult. And I remember years ago being offered the packs for cheap. And I turned them down. I just didn't see it yet. Mm -hmm. And then one yeah. day the light bulb clicked. Mm. Yeah. The yeah. light bulb clicked when, when uh, a PSA 9 first edition Dark Zard Hollow went from 100 to 200. And then I had to have two of them. Because I was like, well, if it's if it just doubled to 200, well, I better get in on them quick. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so I know you do a lot of sports collecting. Like I can see you are a Jets fan and you've got. Yeah, I suffer a lot. <laughs> suffer a lot. So I have you been, um, have you been, um, wow. Okay. Very cool. Okay. So you've got some Kobe. Um, um, do you, do you collect any other TCGs? Like, do you, have you been, have you been keeping an eye on, uh, flesh and blood? No, I'm, I'm a noob to everything else. I just, it was Pokemon and wrestling as a kid mm -hmm. and as a grown adult, I collect Pokemon and I guess wrestling and the memorabilia sort of just, it, it started as a kid. A lot of it was gifted to me or it came down to me and I've just always been the person in the family to. Like I have an office that's loaded with with jerseys and it, it never ends. And I I'm fortunate that all the walls are full. And mm -hmm. I decided, you know what? No more buying any of that. It's strictly Pokemon. That's awesome. And that's I'm just I'm into Pokemon. I actually a year and a half ago I bought a Game Boy, a used Game Boy, and I bought red and blue. And I, when I was traveling, I had to beat the game. Like it, it just brought me back. And that's what mm -hmm. it's all about, just being. 10 years old again, but as a grown adult, the price, the way I put it is this. When we were 10 years old, our parents would only spend so much money on us. So we were on a limited budget to get cards. 
as mm -hmm. grown adults, the prices have gotten to the point where we're on a limited budget to get the cards. <laughs> it's yeah. the same thing. It's mm -hmm. just a different way of dealing with it. Right, right. Absolutely. And, you know, with what's going on with modern cards and with what's going on with the reprints and, and all of that, all of the business that's going on with, with uh, how the most recent generations have been being treated, I guess maybe like generations six through eight. So, um, what are your thoughts on, on, on modern cards and investing in those? And is that something that you suggest, or is that something that you kind of stray away from, um, just because, um, like there's always the risk of reprinting, right? Yeah, it's, it's not for me. Modern's not for me because I grew out of it. Um, mm -hmm. I'll buy my nieces and nephews packs, but the one thing about the youth that I can cement into anyone's head that's watching this. Mm -hmm. When it comes to sports cards, the original athletes from the turn of the century in the 1900s, most, most people our age and younger have no idea who they are. No True. idea. And the cards are so expensive of Onus Wagner, who everyone knows who that is, that's about it. Oh yeah. Oh, when yeah. it comes to Pokemon and it comes to cards, I can't even tell you how many kids know the original first edition cards. They know every original Pokemon. It's mm -hmm. never forgotten. That's the difference between original, like I, I know you're asking about new, but the new mindset will always love the old cards because they've been showing them for so long. Right. So for the new cards, there will always be a couple cards that will be worth a lot of money. It's just inevitable. There has to be a leader of the pack. Every set has to have something worth money. There's mm -hmm. a reason why people will buy the packs, especially when they're limiting how many hollows are available. But most importantly, kids remember generation one and yeah. they will always remember gen one and the next generation will and the generation after that charizard will always be popular even if there's some new mega pokemon that's better than the rest charizard mewtwo i mean look at the pokemon detective pikachu movie mewtwo had his whole shtick he had the whole part where he was the villain and the good guy point is <laughs> charizard's in it pikachu's in it the original pokemon are, are two core to the franchise so that i like to say some new stuff will be valuable all the old stuff will hold value because mm -hmm. it's just too special to the whole community right old, right. old and new mm -hmm. and you know i'm really glad you brought up like honus wagner and whatnot because something that i've been kind of thinking about and wanting to get more perspective on people who are more educated in the baseball world than i am um, do you see some similarities with what's happening with modern right now and the nineties with baseball cards? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying where the oversaturation mm -hmm. and listen, if people are going to pay crazy prices for cards that are mass produced, that's on them just wanting to have it now and be the coolest parent or the coolest kid. Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of FOMO and there's also a lot of like, I need it now. Like when a brand new car comes out or new sneakers come out. It's mm -hmm. like, I need to have it so I can flex it on everybody else just for a week to have it before everybody else. And then I'm going to lose my shirt on it. It's just the way it is. Um, right. The way I look at sports card buying when I was a kid, 95 to 100, 95 to 98% of the cards aren't worth much. It's mm -hmm. just the way it is. Um, mm -hmm. You're buying for the now. You're buying to live in the moment when you're buying rookie cards because most of the guys fail or, and you know, you look at LeBron, you look at generational guys, that, that's always going to be a successful factor for the people that invest in guys that are really talented. But remember, as long as an athlete is active, 
he can get a he can get an injury and ruin his career. Anything mm-hmm. can go wrong. They can get arrested. They can get in any type of trouble. Pokemon. I know at one thirty seven they always say Charizard won't tear an ACL. I originally said Pikachu's <laughs> not getting arrested. Pikachu's not tearing an ACL or it's not going to blow out an Achilles. It was something that I I spawned, and mm-hmm. I got to get more credit for it. But the truth is. Um, modern buying you have to be very careful extremely if you're going to buy something in the modern day look at like this 24 karat gold pikachu from 2016 that you had to pay 2100 dollars a person to pre-order it and now it's like a fifty thousand dollar car you know you have to look at certain avenues for success and understand them uh Mm -hmm. if you're just going to be buying packs personally i'd say keep them sealed that's just me right right um (laughs) Yeah, that's funny that you bring up the uh, 2016 Pikachu. Honestly, that that's really, really cool. And, and I, I think the other thing that people need to kind of, and this is what I've been trying to do. I'm not like a financial expert. I'm obviously not certified or anything like that. But I just feel, you know, because everyone is falling for the FOMO and it's a matter of, you know, who's holding the bag at the end. But I want everyone to win, right? So I've been trying to tell people like, you know, some of these accounts with these people with these huge collections, you have to understand that their buy-in was probably disgustingly low. You know, people that have been collecting for a really long time, it's a completely different buy-in. So you just have to kind of, you know, mitigate those. You have to watch that so you can mitigate your risk, right? You know, buy rare cards. Don't spend $18,000 on a 2021 (laughs) Pikachu. Um, if it's a real bid if it's a real bid you know i I really wish that ebay would just come out and say that and say like it's a confirmed sale i really wish they would just because you know you can you can easily fake a sale at a certain price point and then use that as leverage for negotiation on an actual sale right and i mean like people are gonna do what they're gonna do like you can't stop them so i'm not just gonna sit here and kind of you know uh, bitch and moan about it, but I just want people to be educated because I don't want people to get swindled, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Like I want sellers to know what they're buying and get market rate for them. But I also too want buyers to be educated on that as well. And I know sometimes people aren't going to really do the research and they're going to be left holding the bag, you know, and that's on them, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. I definitely, I definitely don't like selling because of that, like if, if people, like, for example, if I put all my cards on a table that I'm willing to sell and people come up to me with cash, it's a different game. But when it's dealing with online, I'm still at the point where I just want to buy, buy, buy. And I want to put together my own super collection. It, it's a definite goal of mine for, also because I'm, I'm near the finish line, it, it just, it feels great. To know that, Mm -hmm. okay, I can sit down sometimes, especially when you have cards in storage or in a safety deposit box, you sit down and you start looking at them. You start just like messing with the hologram. And like I do it now and I'm looking at my cards and it brings you back. It's cool. Mm -hmm. And I I delve off on this a little bit because it's so easy to get off track on these topics. Um, I just want people to understand that the reason these cards are safe is because people like me exist and there's a lot of us people like mm-hmm. you where we want it we want to hold it 
We want to own it. Even if it's for six six months, six weeks, six hours, you want to own it. You say you owned it. And then mm-hmm. you can flip it and move on. And right. uh, it's a wonderful feeling knowing you collect something other people appreciate as much as you do. And the cool thing is being able to share the pictures of the cards so people can be like, wow, I really miss that card. I want that card. I like that card. I have that card. And um, I like being a part of a community where I can hopefully make a couple people smile every day because they definitely make me smile the card <laughs> sure. i love going to my instagram uh-huh. for for sure 100 and and honestly like pokemon is just one of those things where like you see someone win you see someone get a great card and you're like well hell yeah that's awesome that is amazing as long as you didn't lose the bid as long as you didn't lose the auction right <laughs> right as long it, exactly exactly which you know i'm really glad that you brought up the safety box because this is something that i've been kind of thinking about because like now i've kind of gotten to the point where my and and i've been slowing down on buying just because my collection is now in totality this is not just pokemon but like everything that i've got um, it's starting to become worth more than what I owe in my student loans. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, I need to do some readjusting here because these ratios are not, you know, okay, this yeah. is not what I want. So, so what I've been trying to do, I mean, other than that, other than slowing down on buying, uh, what I've been trying to also do is sometimes I forget, sometimes I don't always store my cards, how they're actually worth, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's so, all of us. Yeah. So, so I was just curious, like, it sounds like you save cards in a, um, in a safety deposit box, right? Do you, do you also have like a vault? Like, how do you go about storing your cards in a safe manner? I got to get another safety deposit box. Um, I have a safe, we have an offsite safe and we have a storage. Like I have a friend that has a storage unit and he keeps all his Pokemon in a storage unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people keep them in their safety deposit boxes. I have them like up until about Fourth of July when I made a bunch of purchases. I had everything in one place. It was nice keeping all the cards in one place. Now mm-hmm. it's um, I keep certain things at home, but all my best stuff is basically gone. It's just safer right. that way. Even though I have cameras, I have police officers for neighbors. I like I feel very safe. Um, I I made sure to have a couple things here today but I have to finish up just like putting everything in a safety deposit box and in the safe. And, um, you know, you just keep certain things on hand and that's it. You can go get anything you need at any time. It sucks not being able to look at it the way I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also why I did the sheet and I'll leave that up. Like that's not going anywhere. And it's just appreciating what you have and honestly protecting your assets. It's very hard to insure cards. So it's very, it's very important you get safety deposit boxes where they do insure it up to a certain amount. And, you know, you do what you can to protect your assets because car, this cardboard is hella expensive. <laughs> the most expensive, right? Oh my gosh. Which, um, so you said that with the safety deposit box, you can insure up to a certain price. Um, do you also do like homeowners with the cards that you have at home? Do you? Do you wrap that into your homeowner's insurance? I probably should have. I didn't. I have videos and pictures of all my memorabilia mm-hmm. for that purpose. The cards, not not so much. So the goal is to just move everything valuable out and keep a small supply here. So it's just mm-hmm. fun cards here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I gotcha. That, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about buying like a, you know, I don't know, some kind of like small fireproof vault just for um, the time being until I could find a better solution. I'd say, um, I'd say you go buy a used one. Look mm-hmm. on, look on uh, all the different sites for your local and look mm-hmm. up safes. Like we got a, we got like an $800 safe for $200. Ooh, nice. Okay. Nice. And that's where you, that's where you keep some things, some of your cards. More than just cards. The cards are just like <laughs> secondary in there. And it's, it's, you know, you have to keep guns protected and other things and living in Florida. And if they're like, we, we're boaters. So if we want to go to the Bahamas. We learned from my buddy in the military that you can't just have a handgun if you're going to the Bahamas because mm-hmm. there, there are real pirates. That's not a joke. And they're on cigarette boats and they know how to get away with everything. So you, you better have some heavy artillery. <laughs> so we, we had to get a big safe and it, it came in handy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really nice. I've actually, um, I've actually thought about, I have occasionally looked at gun safes. I don't, I don't own any guns. Um, but I, I, I wondered like that might be depending on how big my collection gets investing in something like that it's smart yeah something too heavy for people to drag out you gotta you know i would tell you get a small safety deposit box it's like 250 a year and Mm -hmm. put your put your best stuff in there and then you go from there Mm -hmm. that makes sense that makes sense um yeah so you know as we hit over um our time. So I want to be respectful. I don't know how long you can stay on. I know it's like after nine o'clock and, and we have day jobs. I got a little more time. I'm, I'm very, I've had a really good day. Um, sometimes work can be very difficult, but I'm, I'm an average guy like anyone else. I have a small company with my family and I work with one of my best friends and sometimes work can be difficult and sometimes work can be glorious. And today was a really good day. So I got, Mm -hmm. I got a little extra time. Okay. That's awesome. Um, well, I'm glad you had a good day. You know, shit's been crazy this year already exactly. so far, at least for me. <laughs> for all of us, yeah. you're not alone. But um, so, so have you been, um, I know you said you've been, you're a noob at those other TCGs like uh, Flesh and Blood or, or Fortnite or anything like that. Um, have you been eyeing any other like hobby collectible sectors i guess you could mm-hmm. say calling them sectors um that that um, you are thinking about dipping into like video games graded video games or anything like that the graded video game thing for me i'd probably try to buy them non-graded mm-hmm. I, I have i have my original playstation one two three and four mm-hmm. all of them. same <laughs> I, I have my original sega right here uh if, if i could buy video games i'd probably try to get old sega games just because i was a sega kid um same i'm actually i'm looking to buy a used n64 because i want to have a mario kart for me Mm -hmm. and my wife and friends when we hang out um my i've i've dipped into a couple different areas one of my favorites was buying django unchained action figures because they were pulled really fast they Mm -hmm. they only made a fraction of what they were supposed to or something and because it was uh, a slavery film they, the NAACP and all these other organizations had them pulled fast. So I bought some of those. Um, I think the NFTs are very cool. All these people yeah. getting into the NFTs. Um, I, that's just not me. So I try to stick to where I'm at. Um, 
most people that are highly successful will tell you they stick to five or six things in life and that's all they do and they don't deal with anything else because they just they're perfect at what they do so mm -hmm. when it comes to investing I, I try to i really try to just stick to pokemon i i started buying the pokemon uh the stickers from 99 the, the little square mm -hmm. stickers mm -hmm. um waiting on a big inventory to come in um the flips um I like buying all different types of original Pokemon. That, that's just my thing. Um, I should look at other areas, like when the Harry Potter cards were getting hot, Yam yeah. Wax, Yam was telling me to buy boxes and he sent me the links and I just went, no, I'm not going to buy them. I don't know why I'm not going to buy them, but I'm not going to buy them. And it happens. You make mistakes. And I, mm -hmm. it's just because I've stuck to my guns and I just, I keep telling myself, I'd rather put the money in Pokemon, even if it's not as profitable. It's just putting a collection together that for me, it satisfies. And for when it's time to move on, I can, you know, break it into parts. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, uh, because I know you obviously have a number of different like collecting goals, right? You want to have this like, I mean, honestly, your collection right now is freaking bomb. So like, as you grow it, it's just going to be even better, but is there, will there ever be a time where you actually will sell? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it could be five years. It could be, I, I was saying, you know, I might sell a little bit in the next couple of months, but I really ideally like to take all of this, finish my sets, put 80% of it away, 70% of it away, take the other 30%, and make it, you know, tradable commodities. Mm -hmm. I also like still buying binders. Like I, I'm still looking at buying a couple more loose collections and then sending inventory in to get graded and then using that for whatever purpose that's needed for. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of cards left to grade. I have like 50 or 60 cards here that I have prepped for, for grading and I like sending them at 10 or 12 card variables. I'll probably have them yeah. all done by like 2050. <laughs> but um yeah it's just it's collecting it's it's having fun mm -hmm. and yes eventually i will sell but for the time being i'm young enough and i would like to think that i'm capable enough to continue to hold on to the cards for a long time if i don't ever have to sell them, i'm not going to sell them. it'll right. be one of those things right yeah um when i when I had on Gary, one of the things he said, you know, if you don't have a reason to sell, like if you don't need the money or if you don't have a reason to open up a box, don't do it. Don't do exactly. either of the two, <laughs> which, exactly. which I really liked, um, you know, cause like, it's obviously hard to guess the peak, right? So to get the most that you can for the market value at that time, it's really hard to do that. I mean, I mean, I know there are people that are lucky or successful at it. But, you know, I mean, again, with the buyer's remorse, like I've had my art, not buyer's remorse, seller's remorse. I've had my own stories where I've sold something too soon. And even though I did sell it for profit at the time, I wish I kept it because it would have just felt so much better to see that ROI grow. Um, because I bought three years ago, I was at a uh, local comic shop and they were selling, I'm pretty sure it was an unlimited pack um, with Blastoise. I think it was a Blastoise unlimited pack. Um, I bought it for 60 bucks. 
<laughs> I hid it from my family because the only person that knew that I bought it for that price point was my brother because um, he didn't judge me, but I knew other people would. <laughs> so yeah. I kept it a secret and I ended up flipping it on eBay for like 120 something like that. So you when know, it jumped. Well, yeah, when, when it did an initial jump, like a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. And God, it's been so long. I can't even like freaking remember my timetables, but you know, if I would have kept it, even if, even though it's an unlimited, you know, it was dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could have been it. And I can, I could have used that to reinvest it somewhere else. I'm still trying to, there's bits of it that I've done a lot of collecting in and I'm kind of like satisfied on a lot of things. So I'm trying to figure out like, what do I want to kind of focus on now? Do I actually want to, there's so many things I want to focus on. It's trying, starting to figure out like where to do that and how to do it for the right arbitrage. Again, kind of managing the buy-in. So I've been thinking about doing that with Japanese cards. Um, I've also been thinking about just collecting, moving forward, uh, sealed product, just because, um, like, I feel like, I feel like those are going to be the most stable prices, but, um, I was looking at, so I have a sheet of all of my, my stuff inventorized, all of my cards, all of the sealed packs that I have. And so obviously for the sealed packs, there hasn't been much ROI, right? Cause I've bought them in the last six to nine months, you know, uh, so obviously I bought it at a bit of a premium just to make sure that they were good, but compared to my cards, my cards have ROI'd a lot more since, you know, the jump last year. So it's, it's me kind of thinking like, okay, would I rather have the immediate ROI now and potentially like things kind of plateau at a certain point? Cause I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, there are a lot of slabs out there. Like even I think with the vending series slabs, you know, there's, it's only going to get so high. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, kind of like playing around with those things, but I'm, but I'm happy that like, I'm trying to think about it in that way, because, you know, when you have money to just spend on these cool things that you've wanted as a kid, it's hard to stop. It's like, like I try to, I try to keep, I I try to keep an eye on eBay just to see where prices are moving. What's going on. Do we see any records? Like what's up? But at the same time, I run the risk of finding something really good. And then the watch wanting list. to buy the watch list will always get you in trouble. Seriously, it's like it's like being an alcoholic and working at a bar, you know, like trying to stay involved and trying to be in the know and, and in the market. Um, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. What you have to do is just like stick to PSA inventory and sales reports mm-hmm. and just stick to Instagram and just stay off eBay. <laughs> Staying off eBay works. It's very difficult though. <laughs> It is so difficult, but, but I've been, I've been a lot better about it. So I'm happy that I've been, been able to be more disciplined. It's really cool. Like, like what we were talking about community and stuff like that. I love seeing and meeting other people uh, in the hobby because like I get really cool perspectives. And also, um, you know, I've met some finance guys that are very disciplined, that are very researched, that move into things like you know, they'll research and look at something for months before they do anything. And so I really appreciate, you know, knowing them and them sharing their perspective and knowledge with me, because then I can kind of apply that to my tool set, Mm -hmm. even though like I know enough to get myself in trouble. I know enough to know things, but then 
don't know enough to say, okay, that's not valid in this situation. So um, I, I do my best, but yeah. It's, it's definitely important to take as much information as you can get just to see, like sometimes you'll see sales and they might not make sense. And mm-hmm. you want to hear the new opinion on why that sales happening, because look, if you have the right mindset, it doesn't last forever. You have to evolve right. with the game. And the way I'll put it is when all the unlimited prices were soaring through the roof and all these old time collectors were looking at each other cross-eyed and some guys were making a killing. All I can remember is the one guy or two guys that said, okay, just sell them now. And then we'll regroup after. And those guys were geniuses. If you mm-hmm. unloaded before Halloween and you made the right moves, um, the cool thing is, you know, we can talk about this for hours on end because it's not only interesting and fascinating to us, it's it's a real driver. Mm-hmm. It's a real game changer. Pokemon has so many avenues from the different language variations to the different eight, the age, age groups of what cards were printed in which sets. And it's just fascinating to see all the different, you know, entanglements that come out of it, all the webs. It's like a huge spider web of Mm-hmm. and this is exactly as you're talking about what's next all my friends tell me japanese this tops on this and i'm just like man i gotta put a halt on it somewhere as you said you gotta figure your place and most important is just keep your eyes open and look for the next opportunity it, mm-hmm. it sometimes just slaps you in the face you don't even understand how a car can jump so fast sometimes it just it's really cool Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, the other thing about, you know, community too, is sometimes you miss things that other people notice. And they're like, hey, you know, look at this, I see some early movement on this, this might be like a good deal. Um, and whatnot. So definitely very cool to to meet people. And just as a heads up, so I am thinking of selling, or I guess, probably more so now trading some sports cards so i may um like i have uh, i have a ronaldo a cristiano ronaldo card from 2004 um that i bought for like two bucks and got it <laughs> graded <laughs> yeah i got it graded um as a psa 9 and the last i checked it was going for 800 as a psa 9 i know i know and so it's it's a it, it's like it's such a cool card because it was like a, such a huge win for me. Like, I don't really care too much about, I don't, I don't watch too much soccer. I don't care too much about Cristiano Ronaldo, but I know like, he's the goat, like he's going to go down as probably the, you know, soccer players all the time. That's all I got to know. Right. And then this ROI that I saw, which was stupid, like even with the grading, like the ROI is still stupid. Like it's disgusting. Um, so I'm thinking about, because it doesn't mean that much to me, I'd rather put it into something that, that I, like right. I could trade it for, um, you, should, you know, something really good. You should talk to the card talk pod guys. Cause they're all soccer junkies and oh, really? they got Pokemon. So maybe, oh, okay. maybe send them a link and be like, Hey, I got this Ronaldo. I want to trade or cause they're soccer junkies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone, everyone in the soccer game, if you've been in the soccer game, mega returns. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I know one of my hobby buddies, he, he definitely made some money last year with soccer and he's got some more cards uh, too, that he's probably going to start 
um, flipping again. I know he's got a bunch of boxes. I'm going to try and um, I know that they have, uh, oh shoot, I'm going to start. I'm going to sound so, so silly because I don't know much about soccer, but I know that there are going to be some tournaments, tournaments coming up soon. So I'm curious to see where the prices go. I mean, obviously they're going to go up. It's just a matter of how much, right? When it's live games, they go crazy. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's awesome seeing. And that's the one thing about understanding sports cards for anybody that is interested in understanding sports cards. It's understanding how to buy low on a player, let them play and sell immediately mm -hmm. right after or during the game. You're like, you got to understand the hype and how mm -hmm. hype works and football is like my favorite soccer definitely has great variables because if a player has a big game man you can cash out if it's a legendary player for any sport respect to them because mm -hmm. you understand that the the clout of owning that card is so much bigger I, I just find it fascinating the different variables to every hobby and um with sports cards it's it's such a now game like mm -hmm. i have to own it now and that's why, you know, with Ronaldo, if you can do really well, find a great trading partner or someone to flip it to and kill it. Mm -hmm. Oh, most definitely. And, and I've heard, um, I've heard that like, uh, NBA cards and, and watching mm -hmm. those games and keeping up with that, it's very much day trader esque, very, very fast, very quick. Like you've got to mm -hmm. really know what you're doing. I, I think that's super interesting. I don't know shit honestly i don't know shit about basketball but but it's really interesting to see those guys and how they analyze things i i haven't learned enough about that but just to know because like like i kind of feel like like sports cards like you can learn lessons from all of these different sectors because for the most part right. you know the patterns are the same right and especially with baseball baseball is the oldest they've yeah. they've grown the most i mean I mean, there, there's so many patterns in it. It's like just a matter of, okay, so within these market conditions, you know, where have we seen this before, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what happened and, and then that can inform you on what to do. Um, so I, I definitely try, even though I don't spend too much time collecting those things compared to Pokemon, like I do try to pay attention to like what the thought process is because that can just help me like refine that mindset, you know? definitely important it's definitely important to understand how other cards jump why and mm -hmm. the cool thing is for us and the way i'll put this moving forward is when you look at this 25th anniversary for pokemon and mm -hmm. you see the pokemon characters that are getting the recognition and how they're going about it it just for me i feel so safe in investing because i i can see that it's a good thing that McDonald's had the hype train that came. It just shows you that people are that invested in the hobby that they think they're going to flip a profit off McDonald's Happy Meals. That to me is a telltale sign of you have invested properly mm -hmm. because people today are chasing the past and the present. And it's a very important variable, whether it's sports cards or this, you know, in sports cards, they'll make a new card of retired guys all the time. You know, they'll make yeah. all different variables. Um, they'll even have them make autograph cards or retro game jersey cards. With Pokemon, you know, you can make so many retro cards. But most importantly, once a card is printed, you know, like the original first edition base, Jungle Fossil, you know, that's it. 
Yeah. And yes, they can they can redo the artwork or they can reprint the artwork in other sets like Legendary and other stuff. But right. every set is so important for the originals. And um, I really enjoy seeing any Pokemon content out there in society. Mm-hmm. You know, I find it fascinating because I'm spending so much money on the original cards and spending so much time on it to see it get the appreciation and recognition 25, 20 years later. It's, it's really cool. And I can't wait to see this Post Malone concert on Saturday just yeah. for the fact, just for the fact they could crash YouTube. Like, could you imagine <laughs> so many people click on it? it? It doesn't even work. Just everything's down. Yeah, that, that'll be really interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how the market responds, if at all. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It actually is like the market is responding now. You're mm-hmm. seeing prices going up again and you're seeing the the hunger and the thirst and I'm just sitting back and I'm enjoying it. I'm going to have a beer after this and uh, <laughs> I'm going to go look at go what happened. eBay. Today. I'm going to go on eBay and, and just look at my watch list. It's what happened. Oh my gosh. I, I really wish the watch list could be bigger. There is nothing more frustrating when you try to add something Maxed and out. you can't. Oh gosh, it's the worst. It's the worst. You have to pick and choose what you have on your watch list you got to be selective you really like when do PW, when pwcc comes through only mm. pick 10 percent of the items to click on because you're going to be following them anyway mm-hmm. yeah yeah agreed agreed so 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 true um but yeah anyways well you know i really appreciate you being on today i mean I mean, from what you showed me, I know this isn't your vault collection, but hey, it was still really great to look at what you have going on. And um, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. So I guess if you want to let everyone know where they can find you. Um, Pokemonster89 on Instagram, you know, on Twitter. Um, it's Eric G underscore 89. Uh, if you want to see what I've written, um, you can go to 137 p.m and type in Pokemon. And I just put out the top 25 Pokemon sales, individual cards of all time. Uh, There's gonna be some updates very soon. I think I missed out on like one card, two cards. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and one one thing I did do was I put the SGC 10 first edition Charizard and the PSA 10 separately, just because seeing an SGC 10 fetch record money was pretty, pretty funny to me and cool. And I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, Pokemonster89. I usually do a Friday video with Dulce's Adventures. Mm-hmm. I like to talk to as many people as possible. And I'll always answer back, even if it takes me a little bit of time. Uh, Jess, thank you very much for interviewing me. I want to definitely set up a day or even a 20-minute sesh where I'll bust out all the cards. Like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put together my PSA 9 set and more sealed and some of my rare stuff because I, I have a couple i have travel safes also so i have a couple oh, nice. okay and, yeah. yeah i'm i'm down 100 so we can just work out schedules and, and and get something on the calendar um and i'll i'll definitely put it i think i read your article i'm pretty sure i read your article um the sgc uh charizard sounds familiar to me so i'll put a link in there um of of the stuff you've been writing which is awesome so uh, 137 is really great to follow, but anyways, they've done a good job with the content. Very grateful. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The knowledge, the knowledge is definitely there. I've, I've learned a lot of cool things like that, that sports immortal collection. I had no idea it existed. And then I was so, exposed to it. 
<laughs> so the Sports Immortal Collection, my my very close friend Jason was the guy that did that whole interview. Mm-hmm. And that's close to here. So yeah. Yeah. God. Oh my. Yeah. That's just incredibly phenomenal, phenomenal, completely priceless, like totally, absolutely a museum in itself. It's so interesting to find like just the, just the stories and how he went about collecting these things. And I think probably the most impactful story uh, was finding out how he got the uh, Jim Thorpe uh, sports memorabilia. Like I, I went to school um, in Oklahoma and, you know, Jim Thorpe is, he was someone that I didn't know or, 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 or knew existed until moving to Oklahoma and, and, um, you know, because he's so revered, um, out there, he doesn't get enough love, I think, but, um, yeah, that was really interesting to, to read and learn about. Oh, that's so amazing. I'm gonna have to go visit and see the museum once it's safe too. <laughs> so, but yeah, and I'll, I'm going to be going to that museum once I'm vaccinated. I'll, I'll get down there. Oh, nice. Take pictures. If Oh, yeah. You know it. <laughs> but uh, thank yeah. you so much for having me on today. And I, this time flies by when you're talking about fun stuff. It seriously happens. No joke. I've had people on for like two and a half hours. Easy. Just talking, shooting the shit about Pokemon and financial principles. <laughs> so it's Can't really it. amazing. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I hope you enjoy that beer. So we'll keep in touch and we'll get something else going. Okay, next time we'll have the better cards, okay? (laughs) Sounds good, sounds good. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.